Hello, everyone. This is a Decision Options Podcast. My name is Gil Eaton. My guest today is Selena Lee, who is the CEO and co-founder of Cindy. Cindy hosts the largest community of African data scientists wanting to solve the world's most pressing challenges using machine learning and artificial intelligence. It connects data scientists with organizations and provide a place to learn, hone your skills, and find a job. Cindy's goal is to transform the African continent and showcase African data science talent to the world. Welcome, Serena. Thank you so much, Gil, for having me. Yeah, thanks for doing this. So this is a, it's a fascinating company. Um, so I want to sort of talk a little bit about the history of the company. Um, how, how, did you, how did you start it? When was, when was it initiated? And uh, what has been your sort of early experiences with it? Mm. Yeah, we launched Cindy just over five years ago. We just had our fifth birthday in September. Um, and we started Cindy. So it's three co-founders. It's myself, Megan Yates, and Echo Duker, who are the co-founders of Zindi. And I think what's interesting is the three of us kind of came from three pretty different, uh, like distinct backgrounds, but in this space. and came to similar conclusions in terms of a need for a space like Zindi, uh, you know, a, a platform where young people in Africa would be able to build up their skills, showcase their, their talents, and be able to connect with the opportunities and the organizations that need them. And then on the other hand, for companies to be able to access the talent that they need. The demand for machine learning, AI, and data science talent is like exploding and especially over the last 12 months um with everything that's happening in ai uh you know there's a you know there's a definitely a talent crunch and i think with africa being the fastest growing working age population in the world um it's you know it it, it is fertile ground for you know for companies and organizations and problems to you know to find to find the the support and the talent that they need um so yeah, I mean, so so I myself, I I studied applied mathematics and computer science. Um, I went into the corporate world for a bit, but very quickly went on in, to, to develop a career in international development. Um, so I've lived and worked in in Colombia and Panama and Thailand. Um, I've done a lot of work, kind of in <laughs> countries in between, um, and. But I've always had this coming from San Francisco and the Bay Area. I've always been really interested in and having that background in math. I've always been interested in how these innovations and these technologies that are coming out of a place like Silicon Valley actually translate into real impactful products or services for real people, for the rest of the 99% of the world that, you know, that don't have the latest iPhone and, you know, the latest access to the latest technologies. How can these technologies actually improve everyday lives? Um, and so that's, you know, that was kind of the start of, for me, like the idea for Zindi was that, you know, how can we create space where people who really deeply understand the the challenges and the opportunities in a in a context like Africa, how can they build their skills to also contribute to the solutions um, that are coming out? Yeah, I mean the, the beauty of mathematics, as you know, is uh, it, it sort of levels the ground for developed and developing countries, and so uh, we are sort of a unique time. Um, I think Bill Gates said this, that artificial intelligence is the 
it is akin to sort of the user interface innovation that happened early on in the in the computer uh, development. So it is it is sort of uh, universal and prevalent, and really the hardware costs are declining. So costs are not a, a big um, a hindrance anymore. Uh, so anybody can approach this. Anybody can utilize it. And there are a lot of educated people all around the all around the world. And so what they may lack, and I think this is what Cindy is trying to do, is access. Um, mm -hmm. And so when you're sitting somewhere, so I know that you are in 40 or so countries in Africa right now. We're in 52 African countries um, and 190 countries around the world, across the world. So. We have African roots, but you know we're <laughs> global reach, <laughs> as we say. Yeah, so it, it's sort of a, it, um, the company is focused on developing world. It sounds to me. So it started in Africa, but it has expanded elsewhere. And yeah. um, just to put this in context, so um, on your website you talk about sort of three major focus areas: um, mm -hmm. learning, competitions, and jobs. So mm. the first area here is study and learning. Uh, mm. uh, and so I see courses here, uh, Selena. So Chat GPT Mastery is a course that he, that's here. 23 common data science interview questions <laughs> for beginners that could come in yeah. handy. Um, and so, so talk a little bit about uh, the, the process. Um, so how do people these are all online courses, I would think, right? Yeah, yeah. So we, I mean, actually, if you look at the learning, compete, and jobs, that kind of describes the ideal journey that we envision for a young person. Well, it can be any of any age, but typically a lot of our users are young. And if you think about someone who's trying to build up their career and trying to build up their skills, like this is that's those three th components are what we've hit on in terms of what, you know, the whole package that we want a young person to be able to access. So it's it's learning through, you know, actual courses, through just accessing blogs like the, you know, these are the questions that you'll be asked when you when you go to an interview. This is how you choose your, you know, choose a, a laptop that's appropriate, you know, and that you can actually get as affordable in Africa. Um, you know, starter notebooks, a lot of that learning content that's on our content uh, on our platform is you know, is actually from the community. The community contributes different, you know, blogs and tutorials. And and then we also leverage some of our partnerships with different organizations that also do training. So we ourselves don't do training, but what we're trying to do is make training accessible, you know, learning content accessible. Um, the competitions means that then whatever they're learning, now can they actually apply it to a real world problem? Uh, that an organization or company actually puts up. That's the competitions is where companies put up data sets and problems. So so then can they apply it in the real world? And then as they solve these different problems, it builds up their profile and now can they use that to get a job? Uh, so those three things kind of have a relationship, um, mm -hmm. a natural relationship. Yeah, and um, because it's a universal concept, a um, lot of people could approach these problems differently. 
And so uh, I, this is my my opinion. Uh, it's a bit different from going to a university and sitting around and learning physics 101 and chemistry 102, um, which which is how education still progresses, uh, which I argued that is becoming less and less relevant. Mm-hmm. And so what uh, what is lacking in the developing world is access. Um, there might be a lot of ideas. Uh, they need some way to apply those ideas, right? So there is a um, uh, there is a um, a study here. Uh, this is the Microsoft Rice Disease Classification Challenge, um, and so I would imagine this is a competition that yeah. people took part in it, right? So could you to talk a bit about it, just to set the context? Yeah, uh, so we've run about 300 competitions on Zindi over the last five years, and virtually every single one of them are actual data sets that came from an organization, comes from the industry or from government, um, and mostly in Africa. So, um, you know, and, and these... I mean, we can pull out a few examples, but, you know, they really range. I think the, you know, the fun part about data science is you get to play in everyone's backyard. So you can even see on the left-hand side of the competitions, you can actually choose the different sectors, everything from agriculture to retail to logistics, um, you know, to climate change can be addressed with, you know, in some way with data science, AI, and machine learning. So that's really exciting. Um, and so even the competition that you're mentioning is a uh, that one we did quite a while ago with Microsoft, and that was to identify what type of disease the rice crop has um, using computer vision. So images of the crop, of the rice crop, and being able to say, uh, you know, what type of disease it has. We've actually run a few of those um, of different types of diseases, different, you know, crops. Um, there's so many applications in agriculture, which is so relevant. Uh, in Africa, you know, because obviously it's such a huge and important fundamental sector. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I'm on the competition page, uh, Selena. So this is really interesting. So um, so their difficulty, good for beginners, intermediate, advanced. So you can click on it and depending on where you are, um, you can go into it. And then you have the skills, different skills here. So it's it sort of run the gamut, uh, prediction, classification, computer vision, natural language processing, forecasting, uh, sentiment analysis, visualization, and so on and so forth. So uh, yeah. pretty much all components of what is generally called artificial intelligence uh, is here. And, yeah. and so, so based on your interest, you can you can go and look at and based on your interest and your skill level, you, yeah. you can pick up something that that could be a good match, right? Yes, yeah. And we have, and then you also see that we have the open competitions and the closed competitions. So um, when a company comes to us with a data set and a problem, we post that onto the competitions page. It's open to anybody. It's free for anyone to join. Um, and typically we leave these competitions open for anywhere between one month to three months, uh, depending on the complexity and how many people we want to you know, attract to it. Um, 
And yeah, so the live competitions are the ones where you can still win money. Uh, so the top three winners or sometimes the top five winners will win money for their um, their solution. And the companies then own the IP from the winning solutions. Uh, so so the ones that are open means that you can still get onto the leaderboard. You can still potentially win. Um, it hasn't closed yet. And then when if you look at the closed ones, one of the things that we you know, part of the learning is that we leave those available to the community. So you just have to create an account on Zindi, still free. You can access the data sets and the problems from the closed competitions. You just can't win them anymore. So like you're saying, Gil, like if you have a certain interest in natural language processing, you can actually still work on any of any of the, the competitions that are in our in our library um, of, of data sets. Yeah. Yeah, so, so I was looking at the, the most recent one here, um, RMB CPI now casting challenge. Yeah. Um, so I show my ignorance here. Uh, so what is South African currency? Brand. Brand. <laughs> yeah. So CPI now casting challenge. And th this is a substantial competition, 17,000 yeah. US dollars. Um, so far, it started 21 days ago, it says here, and already it's something like 1,200 um, people are enrolled in it. Yes. And so, so could you talk a bit about it? So this is an advanced competition. It's about forecasting. It's about financial services. So it's really yeah. sort of forecasting inflation, right? Yeah, it's forecasting inflation, but as close to real time as one can get um you know so this was so i don't know if you're familiar with rmb but that's rand merchant bank which is a you know a major bank in southern africa um their data science and research team were you know working on this problem because you know cpi forecasting is well fundamentally important to you know anyone in the financial sector and i think there was like an element of it where each of the banks um, were kind of presenting their approaches and um, the team at RMB, you know, really just felt like they needed a leg up. You know, they were working on this problem, but they saw a huge opportunity in being able to get an injection of new ideas and different perspectives, just different approaches to the problem from the community. Um, they were specifically, they were particularly interested in you know, I mean, forecasting and, uh, you know, inflation is something that economists, you know, often will approach and try to model. But, you know, I think what a lot of a lot of people find interesting is, you know, it, say you're an epidemiologist or you're a, you know, or in this case, you're an economist. You have your own ways that you, you know, that are tried and true that you, that you approach these problems with. But a lot of people are wondering, well, what about machine learning? What about data science? What about big data and maybe alternative types of data? Can that improve the accuracy of these models that we've been building? Um, so that's, I mean, so that's what's really interesting. And so in RMB's case, they they're running this challenge. They're trying to get to a now casting model where they can predict CPI one month in advance. Um, and they wanted to look at alternative data sets. I, I haven't been as close to that one, but you know, it's they wanted to look at things like pollution trends, um, even social media, like you know, what other data sets can mm. feed into the model, um, you know, to improve the accuracy. Yeah, it's really fascinating. So as you say, economists and financial services traditionalists uh, have their data sets. 
and forecasting in financial services uh, hasn't been very good, uh, but it's a <laughs> micro sense or macro sense. Um, and so what might be lacking, as you say, is sort of alternative views of how to think about it. Uh, mm -hmm. Social media is a really interesting one. Uh, I had somebody from uh, Berkeley on the show some time ago, and we were talking about, you know, how do people think about uh, inflation? Uh, most people, most regular people uh, look at uh, or have an estimate of inflation by grocery shopping experience. Mm -hmm. So they go to grocery store and next week they go again and the prices have changed. That gives them an expectation of inflation. And there is sort of a gender difference here because women tend to shop, grocery shop more than men. And so they are they have more of a real time view of what inflation is doing compared to men, for example. I'm talking about US here. And yeah. so the non-traditional data sets, I think, is a really powerful aspect of this, right? So again, uh, people who don't have a lot of experience in financial services industry, which could be a great advantage because you, you, you're entering this problem without any inherent uh, bias to the problem, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, so what has been the sort of experience in these types of competition where people come from different, very different areas and attempted to solve these problems? Yeah, it's been, it's been interesting. I mean, the the approaches themselves and even like even something as simple as, you know, maybe the winning solution used and we, we require everyone to use open source tools, open source libraries, you know, as long as it's open and free, then they can use it. Um, so just even knowing what people are using has been interesting mm -hmm. for the clients, um, you know, just knowing about a new library that maybe you know they never knew about and that the winning solution used has been useful so um yeah i mean it's it's quite interesting i think a lot of companies you know that's that's even what's most valuable to them is that sometimes they just feel like you know we don't know what we don't know yeah. so let's just see what, you know what 70,000 you know brains that are like out and these are all like curious ambitious you know really energetic people right otherwise they wouldn't be on zindi <laughs> so um yeah it's pretty incredible and what's also cool is i mean you mentioned about education like i tell the people on the zindi community all the time it's like you would have needed a PhD to do some of these things that you're mm. doing right now. You know, I literally have a friend who has like a PhD from Cornell in mathematics, um, and she did her her dissertation on um, on flood predictions. Uh, you know, using uh, you know satellite data, using soil, uh, you know, soil type elevations. You know, all these types of data sets that used to not be available and even using the tools to analyze these data sets that used to not be available. But now, like we ran a competition a couple years ago with UNICEF Malawi in partnership with ARM and, um, and Meta to predict flood extents in southern Malawi using yeah. all open source, everything. Like the satellite data was open source, the tools were open source, and these people are doing the work that my friend had done, <laughs> you know, for her PhD in mathematics years ago. Um, yes. So, so yeah, it's pretty incredible. And so a lot of the people who are contributing to corporates like RMB and they're contributing to their thinking, they may not even have a, you know, a university degree. Um, and they're able to add value. 
Yeah, so I, I was just thinking, uh, Selena. So you have run 300 or so competitions, and it is a very diverse community. So you, you are in a lot of different countries, uh, people with different educational backgrounds, um, really different education systems almost, right? Yeah. So do you have, um, are you thinking about sort of, you know, could we accumulate some sort of insights, experience, best practices that, that sort of come from these competitions that could be quite useful for organizations, right? Is that, yeah. is that in the in the design? It might be, but I guess like jumping forward. So, I mean, just talking about kind of the evolution of Zindi, what's been interesting is we started off with a focus on the competitions. I mean, the competitions are still kind of our our bread and butter, what we can do very well and what's like most exciting because of all of this, like, you know, uncovering new ideas and everything. Um, but as as a business, um, we actually haven't talked yet about the companies that we work with, but as a business, in a way, something that we've come to understand in the last, say, 12 months or a bit more is that the value of these competitions is much more than the solutions that come out of it. That, you know, it's the competitions to me now are a means to an end. And yeah. the end is not just the end of the competition, but it's a means to, you know, for every competition that we run, as you've seen, we can actually upskill and give exposure to over a thousand people at a time, to new skills, to, you know, new ways of thinking. Uh, they, enter these competitions, this gets added to their profile. So now we also are adding data points to each individual that has entered the competition. And so the real ends is that each of these people who are on the Zindi platform can potentially get a job. And for companies, they potentially can hire and tap into this incredible database of not just incredible candidates, but a talent pool that is growing in skills every single day. And also that they now have unique data points on each of the candidates because now they can actually see the candidates actual you know uh journey as they built up their own capabilities um and and actually measured their capabilities um yeah so now a company can come to us and say we want someone who's really good at computer vision using satellite data and we can pull the top 20 people in africa <laughs> you know yeah. in that specific area yeah that's that's fantastic so it's sort of a resume builder and yeah. it, it goes both ways, right? So it, it, it allows the participant to sort of showcase their talent. And as we were mentioning before, the companies may have multiple objectives here. So as you say, it's a, it, it's a process. Uh, it's not just results that come out of it, but companies are also sort of observing uh, how did people approach these problems? And that, that, uh, that give them better information as well, right? So if you hire like 100 data scientists and put them in a room and you know ask them to go solve a problem and you come back six months later, um, you may get a solution, but there isn't sufficient sort of diversity uh, that makes new ideas sort of percolate to the top, right? So I, I would yeah. imagine innovative companies are looking for that type of a process too. Yeah, yeah, and it's, 
it's so cool to see people making connections across such diverse backgrounds. Like you'll see a team of someone from Tunisia with someone from Nigeria with someone from like Japan or something, you know, working on a problem for a South African company, for example, you know, and you, you get that cross pollination of, you know, people from all different backgrounds. Um, we've even seen people start companies <laughs> through the relationship, yeah. you know, the friends that they've made on the platform, um, you know, and definitely people are making like lifelong friends and, uh yeah uh, career partners i mean people are getting hired from by each other on the platform i mean it's yeah it's very cool to see how what happens when you bring people from very diverse backgrounds together yeah it's interesting i mean you said 52 countries in, in africa alone but uh if you look at the list here you know you have company you have countries like hong kong india italy um South Africa, uh, Switzerland, <laughs> United States. So yeah, so it, it is really sort of gone to a position of community building um, with a global scope, it looks like, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I kind of describe Zindi now as like a, a GitHub meets, a, link, a LinkedIn meets a GitHub, um, specifically for data science and AI skills. Uh, because I do see what we're building up as a, you know, in a way as a professional network, but but much more than that, because not only are people representing themselves as professionals, they're actually also growing, <laughs> growing themselves as professionals. But um, but yeah, but the community aspect is is fundamental to Zindi's, you know, yeah. value proposition. And I also see that a lot of policy implications here, Selena. So the governments should be very interested in this too, sort of crowdsourcing mm -hmm. ideas, crowdsourcing solutions. So there is a, a new uh, competition here, Digital Green Crop Yield Estimate Challenge. Can you determine mm -hmm. the crop yield for farms in India? Um, mm -hmm. And you know, if you can do that systematically, there's a lot of policy implications too, right? So uh, are governments yeah. really uh, coming to the table with, um, with their problems? Um, that one is actually, yeah, I mean, for example, that one is funded by GIZ, the German government, um, mm. and we've done actually quite a few competitions with GIZ, uh, well, India, you know, we've done two in India and a, a handful of these types of competitions in Africa, and GIZ obviously is, you know, partnering with local governments, um, so I think there is a, there is an interest um governments can sometimes be hard to <laughs> hard to you know finally work with i mean just from a i guess a procurement legal uh you know side it, it that's kind of the challenge because there are actually you know we actually have a project in the works that we're trying you know we've been trying to get over the line for for a while um with with one of the ministries in africa and they are really interested in using zindi uh, to solve one of the, these problems, it also has to do with, I think, oh gosh, now I can't remember, but it was using satellite data, having something to do with agriculture as well, um, but then using that to also recruit um, young talent into the ministry as well, because then government is also looking to hire um, top data science talent as well. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's sort of, so there's a sort of policy question there, which is, are we heading toward a community of experts? 
So, so I, I wrote a book in 2009, <laughs> and it's called Flexibility, in which I argued uh, there are no reasons for companies to exist anymore because, um, you know, University of Chicago economist Ron Coe said, companies exist because of transaction costs. So if you're an automobile company, you know, uh, you don't want to have a transmission company, you don't want to have an engine company, there are transaction costs that they have to incur when you sort of separate them into different different buckets. But with um, internet technology and artificial intelligence, we have driven the transaction costs to close to zero, which means that an individual then becomes a company with a specific set of skills and expertise that could, be, that could be applied in a lot of different problems, right? So rather than going and, you know, sitting in an office room <laughs> in a company, mm -hmm. that individual will be a lot better off just, just applying expertise and skills. Um, this is sort of in that direction, would you say? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's interesting. I mean, and COVID in some ways accelerated this trend that we've seen. Um, because for Zindi, we, you know, we're really, you know, we're, I mean, as we're talking about, like we do the competitions, but we're also really talking to companies that are looking to hire talent. And I think the converse, the nature of the conversations before COVID are very different from the nature of the conversations during and after COVID. I mean, I think now we're seeing more companies wanting local, um, you know, people who can physically come into the office, but still like it's very open. There's a lot of remote work, you know, people are, companies are very open to remote work. Um, and even companies that are uh, wanting people to come into the office, I am also still seeing that they're very open to, they need a very specific skill set for a specific amount of time. Can they get that on Zindi? Yes. You know, so I guess it's like that, that trend towards gig work. Um, and we are, yeah, we're seeing a huge opportunity there. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that Zindi's like doubling down on that quite yet, but you know, we're kind of leaving both doors open. We're helping companies hire full-time normal employees, but we're also, we've also been helping companies hire, you know, contract-based uh, kind of work. Um, it'll be interesting to see which direction, you yeah. know, things go in. Yeah, it's it's tough to predict. So um, you mentioned that. Um, governments are sometimes difficult, time-consuming to, to work with, uh, but there are foundations who are interested in sort of macroeconomic challenges, uh, policy issues. Um, I read that Bill and uh, Melinda Gates Foundation uh, wants to invest $30 million into developing AI specifically in Africa. And I think they have a healthcare focus, but generally AI. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, what is your perspective on, you know, foundations and how, how should they be thinking about this? If they had an objective of, I would call this sort of democratizing technology, democratizing artificial intelligence, how should they, how should they go about it? Yeah, I, I mean, foundations have a huge role that they can play. They have the advantage to governments that they are able to move a bit quicker and kind of, uh, you know, do their own due diligence and, you know, outside of a political mandate, you know, they actually can 
you know, do studies and and understand kind of where the huge, you know, where the opportunities are and actually move on them um, relatively quickly. Uh, and and at the same time, like governments, their mandate ultimately is probably, you know, is is long term development, economic and social development. Um, so, yeah, I, I do see a huge opportunity for foundations. Um, uh, to support the development of AI, I think, uh, you know, especially a player like the Gates Foundation, they must be thinking about this idea that, I mean, kind of what what inspired me is is thinking about how can we make sure that more diverse, you know, people around the world have a seat at the table at the table where the solutions are being built, where AI solutions that solve African problems are actually being built and solved by African developers who understand the opportunity and the context the best. Um, so that's where skills development comes in, uh, as well as as well as making sure that, you know, I think one of the challenges is a lot of foundations and even governments like support skills building, but how do you make it practical and in a way where you're creating a pathway directly into value adding positions like either in the government or in the private sector you need to not just build up skills but you actually have to as well then take it to the next level which is where they can create impact on the ground um in the roles that they take so and making sure they have roles so so that's i mean yeah and that's something that for zindi like we see as really important that we're trying to contribute to um yeah. I mean, we, we have a global challenges, right? So the environment is one of them. And this is not something a country, one country can solve. It, it is something the world has to solve. And so this is sort of a natural area where a lot of participants from a variety of countries come together to solve that sort of global problem. So then, you know, it's, I'm just thinking, thinking aloud here. Then it goes to sort of UN, uh, some yeah. you know, sort of world organizations who could potentially take part in here too, right? Yeah, and we work with the UN. We work with a number of the UN agencies. Like I had mentioned, UNICEF in Malawi. Um, we have a partnership with ITU, um, which is part of the UN system as well, where we're running a whole series of AI for good challenges um, with the ITU, which include things like landslide, you know, things that have to do with climate, with energy consumption. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think the you're right, like it takes a tremendous amount of coordination uh, globally to solve some of these, you know, these global problems, essentially the sustainable development goals, you know, address that and, um, you know, both private and public sector and, and you know, geographically. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully Zindi can, you know, can play a small part in that. And I mean, we are uh, a lot of the competitions that we've run or, you know, there's a good set of competitions that we run that are relating to um, to climate change, to food security, to um, yeah, any number of the sustainable development goals. We we once took stock and we made kind of like a visualization of all the sustainable development goals we're solving um, through the challenges. And, and it was, you know, it is significant. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm also thinking that um, it, it's not only solving an, an identified problem, 
but also diagnostically picking up information from all around the world, right? So I'm thinking diseases yeah. here, for example, right? So uh, there's a lot of talk about, you know, new diseases coming through because, you know, the ice caps are melting, a lot of old organisms released into the, into the environment. And this is happening all around the world. So there's some sort of a surveillance diagnostic uh, opportunity, and it requires sort of a worldwide scope to do that too, right? So there yeah. might be opportunities here in that direction as well, I wonder. Yeah, yeah. I mean, data collection is fundamental. Um, you know, we haven't, we've done a bit of data collection. I mean, I think the unique position of Zindi is that our community is so diverse and, yeah. uh, and particularly for Africa, there's very few communities or groups that actually cover like <laughs> virtually every country in in Africa. So so we have been approached and we have like engaged a bit on data collection um you know initiatives. And yeah, so and I think I think we are uniquely positioned in some ways. Uh but you know what you're talking about about you know maybe emergence of new diseases or different things that are happening, you know, different trends that are maybe happening on a global scale. I'm also really interested in um, the applications of AI and, you know, different types of data, especially like, you know, Earth observation data, the, um, you know, the types of data that's available now and free and publicly is incredible. So, yeah, so in, in those types of use cases, I'm actually even especially interested in ways that we can even model or try to find ways to fill data gaps or pick up on these types of trends using AI, <laughs> for example. Yeah, and, you know, for example, astrophysics uh, is increasingly moving in the AI direction as well. And so, you know, we have yeah. this problem of <laughs> meteors and asteroids coming to us, and um, a lot of them are picked up by amateur astronomers, um, you know, using fairly basic technology. So with mm -hmm. artificial intelligence extending there too, um, it, it's not only sort of the disease modalities, but also sort of external threats. It, it, it's generally in the area of surveillance, and, and surveillance um, cannot be very rigid, right? So if, if you have a protocol, you know, say this is the data that we're going to use and this is, the, this is how we're going to analyze it, you're going to miss a lot of things. So surveillance requires sort of flexibility and global scope. And yeah. uh, this might be an additional advantage, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking about, you know, in Africa, we're hearing a lot about IoT and, you know, sensor-based data, digital twins. Um, you know, there is all types of data sources, uh, even like the drone technologies, like we're going to do a competition and we may be leveraging some drone um, data and imagery. So there is like, I mean, there's so many new types of data sets that I guess can speak to that aspect of surveillance or open surveillance, you know, and, and just new things that might be able to pick up at scale now because of, you know, everything that's out there. It's really fascinating. So I, I was just looking at the, the jobs page, Selena. So there, there are a lot of jobs yeah. here <laughs> for us at, at all <laughs> levels. Yeah, so I'm seeing yeah. a data scientist to CTO and um, so all sorts of jobs here. So what has been your 
success um, level here um, in, in terms of getting people hired? Yeah, we're still relatively early days with the with the jobs. Um, I think even more than the so the jobs board is important, um, but even more than that, I think the two other elements that are that we more recently have launched um, that help companies find the right talent is Zindi Talent Search, which is what we're calling our our talent search product that companies can now create an account and log into the Zindi database to search for candidates based on you know their performance on different competitions, geography, you know. So that's where it becomes like a LinkedIn. You can search for you know self-reported CV type of data as well as actual performance data or you know technical capabilities data. Um, so that's Zindi Talent Search. And then the other aspect is um, competitions for recruitment. So we have, uh, you know, competitions where companies can choose from our catalog of competitions or they can put up their own data sets and then they can hire directly off of the leaderboard. Um, and that means that they get like a short list of people who are actually qualified and, you know, are actively applying for their job. So. So for companies, it's it's the the job advertisement that that you can see on the platform, but it's also the searching the database and attracting and vetting talent with competitions. Um, and yeah, and so we help companies in that holistic way. And we are, you know, we can do once off bits and pieces, but we also see that um, a lot of companies are looking to build their talent pipeline like long term or they're just kind of, you know, they're making multiple hires throughout the year. So we also have memberships to Zindi where they can tap into all three of those um, aspects. Uh, and then in terms of like job placements, like we're still relatively new. And I guess what's happened is it came out organically because we saw a lot of people were getting jobs <laughs> off yeah. of Zindi. So now we're trying to capture that value and, you know, create a more structured way for companies to actually hire off of the platform, but we've we've seen a lot of people getting jobs off of Zindi. We just haven't necessarily monetized it. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it's always dangerous to reduce a human to a set of numbers, but I can I can see some sort of a Z score here, Selena, Zindi score uh, of, of somebody who has sort of repeated, uh, you know, or taken part in repeated competitions. So there's a lot of data. Uh, on that person. Uh, yeah. Hiring is always a, it's increasingly a problem for companies. Uh, finding talent is the, the most difficult uh, thing. Uh, and so I think, yeah, I think there is a lot of value there as well. And so, so where do you want to, where do you want to go with this? So if you look forward, let's say two to three years from now, what would be your sort of satisfying outcome from Cindy? Mm. Well, I see that the, you know, the challenges and the opportunities that are in Africa, you know, are similar, are kind of, you know, there's definitely parallels in other regions, uh, particularly in other emerging and developing markets. So whether it's the Middle East, um, South Asia, Southeast Asia, Latin America, um, I'm, I'm excited about you know, potentially a real global play for Zindi, um, but particularly still with a focus on emerging markets with the idea that, you know, everyone knows the usual suspects in terms of where they can get talent, but can we help, help you know, the other corners of, of the world where, you know, one of the things that we say was at Zindi is that um, talent is distributed equally, but opportunity is not. 
Um, and that's one of the things that we're yeah. trying to solve. And it's actually a win-win where it's a win-win-win. It's a win for everybody because, Absolutely. you know, not only do they need the opportunities, but organizations, companies, governments also need the opportunity to be able to tap into this incredible talent pool. Um, so, yeah, so for me, it's, uh, yeah, it, that's the exciting, <laughs> that's the exciting thing. Yeah, so it's access. Access is what's lacking. Talent is everywhere. Yes. Demand and supply are both there, but they yeah. don't come together in a in a yeah. sort of efficient efficient way. And I also argue that initial conditions are quite important. And so, you know, somebody in Nigeria, you know, uh, getting an early start um, with this type of uh, environment or access. Uh, the slope that that person could be on is significantly different from otherwise, right? So yeah. there's a there's a significant value in getting people started started early. And yeah. As, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. And we see, I mean, the the population is very young in Africa. I mean, and that's true to a lot of you know these regions that I'm talking about. So it's a huge opportunity to get them in, you know, from an early age. Uh, half of half of the people on Zindi are still actually in university. So our population does tend to be young. Um, and yeah, I mean, the stuff that people pick up, you know, I mean, they just pick it up so fast. Many of the people on Zindi are self-trained. Um, they, you know, they take a few Udemy and Coursera courses, then they get onto Zindi and then you see them all over. <laughs> all over Zindi. And I mean, literally, we see, I know a lot of people who started on Zindi and, you know, we do a few live events or kind of, we have different, we have ambassadors across the continent and they run in-person hackathons or workshops. And, um, you know, we've seen people where they go to a hackathon on a weekend and they just sit there, like they can't even figure out how to start. Um, and then a few years later, you see them on the leaderboard and they're like winning competitions and then they're getting jobs. I mean, it's really incredible. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's that's why it's it's important to make sure everyone everyone does have have access to these opportunities. And I, I remember reading somewhere, uh, sitting as a can't quite remember, but there have been instances of people getting scholarships into major universities in the U.S. Uh, with yeah. Columbia or something. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we had a, um, you know, the one of the early ambassadors at Zindi. He's in Uganda. He got a full scholarship to Duke University to get a master's in data science. Um, we had a woman in Nigeria who. Uh, she was, you know, she was starting to win competitions on Zindi, so I got to know her, but she got a scholarship to get a master's degree at Notre Dame University. Um, so I think, yeah, there's, there's huge, and then even within the African continent, there's a few really amazing universities in South Africa. There's, you know, there are a number of really great universities, but then in Rwanda and other countries, there's also AIMS, uh, which is the African Institute for Mathematical Sciences, there's ALU, the African Leadership University, and then um, there's also Carnegie Mellon Africa. Um, so we do see actually a lot of our, our data scientists ending up going to those universities as well and getting master's degrees, um, you know, or graduate degrees. Excellent. So finally, so what's your business model? How do you, how do you keep it economically viable. Yeah, so we're, um, I mean, 
it's been a it's been a tough economic climate the last 12 months, as you can imagine. So um, we are, you know, we have in more, you know, the last year we've been really focused on our business model and and working with clients. Um, so I'm very proud that we've, you know, we've worked with some of the biggest names like Microsoft, Google, um, DeepMind, and then as well as the banks, the telcos, the consulting companies in Africa, including like Standard Bank, RMB, which we were talking about, um, Deloitte, Ernst & Young, uh, KPMG. Uh, so we're, you know, so we're really focused a lot on the African multinational um, kind of enterprise level clients. Um, we help them with, uh, you know, attracting and hiring talent with uh, crowdsourcing solutions to the competitions. And then also we offer the competition platform, the Zindi platform, as a ring-fenced environment for companies to all, you know, the same experience that the 70,000 are doing on Zindi publicly. Sometimes companies want to use it for their learning and development area, kind of like a playground for their own data scientists to build up their skills. So, um, so in essence, those three areas, the, the competitions for solutions, the upskilling, and then the talent hiring are the things that we help companies with. We charge um, either as a membership that starts at $30,000 per year um, and lets them tap into those different benefits. Uh, or we also do like a once-off competition or a once-off hiring, but you know that's becoming less and less. Um, yeah, and aside from those big corporate, uh, corporate clients, we also do help uh, startups, a lot of African startups hire data scientists as well. So, so do you anticipate some sort of venture capital, private equity, uh sort of teaming up um given yeah that, i mean we yeah. we did raise a seed round two years ago um and so we do have some of the major african vcs on our cap table um and our biggest investor is shakti ventures which is in san francisco so we have a good mix of you know vcs that are aligned and supporting zindi um we may raise next year. Um, but right now we've been so focused on on the business model and revenue. So we're actually, you know, kind of close to a, you know, a profitable position. And then we'll kind of take it from there and decide what to do next. But, you know, next year we may end up raising. Excellent. Yeah, this has been a fascinating, fascinating journey. And uh, really, it has a lot of expansion um, options that I think about it. Because of its global scope, uh, it can go in a lot of different directions. Um, so yeah. excellent, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, thank you so much, Gil. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank thanks you. For, uh, thanks for spending time with me. Thank you. Bye.